0: slow it down, some spoken words, so to speak. I need every head bowed, all eyes closed. This is a prayer, testimonial to God's creation, and that his love endures and in fact exists. Father God, when I'm in prayer, even here, people look at me like I'm crazy, like I'm talking to thin air. If only those people knew that God was really there, and he really cares. It is he who shares our pain when it's too much to bear. Wherever he is near, we should never fear. Forever in my heart, I keep him everywhere. Every day, I put my faith in Christ. He never let me down once. How could I think twice? How could I second guess? How could I sympathize with a godless atheist? It doesn't take a million eyes to see that we've been blessed. Just look around you. Every good deed seen and all the kind words heard are evidence of the love that he births. He created the earth. In the bees and the birds, you see the moon in the sky that is the twinkle in his eye. My father's the truth, and no, he can't be a lie. And his love is so strong, it made this grown man cry. I see it every day. I feel him when I pray. The Lord touches me, but it's not in a dirty way. No, don't get it twisted. A lot of so-called scholars will say he never existed. They went to college, so they smart, but they lack real wisdom. The stunning shades are too dark, man. They have no vision. I've seen this first hand when we witness evangelized to smash the lies and spread the message of repentance. But we see what they can't the fact Jesus is risen.
1: Everybody, I'm Joey. Nice to meet you. Um, basically, this wasn't as good as Jared's, and it's nowhere near as close as Adolfo's, But um, you know, it's just a little something the Lord's blessed me with, and it's, it's basically like my testimony. You know, you can ask me questions after service. I'll be glad to answer. You know, my and tell you more of my story. But um, the title is that one day, and um, here it goes. March sixteenth, two thousand and seven. That one day, my whole life changed. That one day, my life was never the same. I used to hang around the bangers, always putting myself in danger. If there was a party, you saw me there. I always used to act like I never really cared. I would chase after girls and try to get them to love. Soon after it was over, I found out it was just lust. Um, let's see. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Then God revealed that there's a place higher. Excuse me. Growing up, I was lost and didn't know my religion. When I came to the service that day, I knew it was Jesus that I was missing. I remember P.J. preaching on Malachi chapter three. After he preached, I knew this was the life for me. For 15 years, I was lo- I was lost in the world and didn't know I was and didn't think I was sinning. Then I got saved and I knew it was a new beginning. And so to this day, ignorant old friends invite me to parties, and you know what I say? Now nah, I'm cool. My life's been changed that one day. <laughs> and, um, I have this scripture that I can like kind of relate to. It's 2nd uh, Timothy 2:22, and it says, "Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and those who call out of a pure heart." And um, Basically, that's what I had to do. You know, I had to flee my old life. I had to give it all up to be here standing right now, alive and breathing and blessed. And I just thank you guys for listening.
2: Give it up for Joey. Joey and Jared laying it down. I want to be like you guys when I grow up. Man, they're so good. I didn't, expect I didn't hear any of their poems before, so that was like my first time. I was like, Dang oh Jerry, man, man. All right, <laughs> I'm just surprised. I'm like, whoa, Joy, Joy tore it up, man. All right, um, my my poem right now is just entitled "My Jesus." It's 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 just uh basically saying how my Jesus compares to the world's Jesus. You know, I'm gonna be saying my Jesus da 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 while your Jesus da 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 Like just listen to words. This might hopefully. It'll touch some of you guys, hopefully. It'll make some of you guys think about what you're doing. All right? Just uh, do me a favor. Just open your eyes, your ears, and your heart to everything I have to say. All right? You see, my Jesus gave me a strong and secure land while you seem to be standing on some quicksand. I'm sorry, but I just don't seem to understand how you guys could just sit there, sucking on your thumbs, playing with crayons, looking like you're the devil's biggest fan when you should be picking yourself up, making some sort of stand. You see, my Jesus gave me boldness to go out and preach his word. Like a nerd, I can make you say he's superb. You might think, well, that's just absurd. I, whenever I talk about God, it just makes me feel way too awkward. Don't you see just how much your mind is cluttered, making your thoughts flutter, your words stutter? You see, my Jesus died and rose on the third day. While you're telling your Jesus, no, you got to stay. You're the one who has to obey. Without any delay, you refuse to be his clay. You begin to glance over to the other doorway, and then you decide to fly away, become astray, begin to betray, not knowing if you should go or if you should stay, and everything just becomes so gray. You see, my Jesus will never leave nor forsake the amount of his love is larger than any great lake. If you seek him, you will find him, and he will relieve you of all your heartache. He will protect and guard you from that evil snake that will try to overtake, break, and shake you as if you were in an earthquake. But because of him, we awake and become as white and pure as a snowflake. You see, my Jesus makes me more than a conqueror. He suits me up in his armor, and I strike down the wicked as if I was an archer. He has made me a warrior, and I fight his battles with pride. The devil will and has tried to lie and have me deny, but he does not provide. He does not guide. You see, he will continue to hide and despise, for I know who is really inside. You see, people will come and aim, They will claim and they will try to give you some sort of nickname, but that's okay because I am unashamed. Some people declare themselves saved. They will portray, try to persuade, put up this whole masquerade, but little do they know that they're actually walking out with a hand grenade. But as soon as someone invades, they fade into the shade, but that's okay. Because I will be there, newly made, displayed, and ready to slay, declaring once and for all, Hebrews thirteen six, I will not be afraid. Come on, Amen. Thank you guys for listening. You are a great crowd. Amen. Jared, come on, brother. Get on. Get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him a hand of applause. Give him a hand of applause. And just keep in mind that we are always open to poetry sessions. If you guys have something, if you want to sing or anything like that, this is, this is an open mic. Mic. Open, open mic for open you guys. You guys can come up here anytime you want and just display your talents. All right? Amen.
0: Word, word.
2: All right. Y'all want an encore?
0: Jesus wants an encore. Give it up for Jesus for one. All right. Excellent. All right, once again. When I'm in prayer, sometimes even here, people look at me like I'm crazy, like I'm talking to thin air. If only those people knew that God was really there and he really cares. It is he who shares our pain when it's too much to bear. Wherever he is near, we should never fear. He is forever in my heart, so I keep him everywhere. Every day, I put my faith in Christ. He never let me down once. How could I think twice? How could I second guess How could I sympathize with the godless atheists? It doesn't take a million eyes to see that we've been blessed. Just look around you. Every good deed seen and all the kind words heard are evidence of the love that he births. He created the earth and the bees and the birds. You see the moon in the sky that is a twinkle in his eye. My father's the truth and no he can't be a lie. And his love is so strong it made a grown man cry. I see him every day. I feel it when I pray because the Lord touches me, but it's not in a dirty way, no. Don't get it twisted. A lot of so-called scholars will say he never existed. They went to college, so they smart, but they lack real wisdom. The stunning shades are too dark. They have no vision. I've seen this firsthand on the street when we witness. Evangelize to smash the lies and spread the message of repentance. But we see what they can't, the fact, Christ is risen. He is a testimonial, testament to God's existence. End of sentence. Can I get an amen, my brethren? Amen.
3: That was beautiful. Oh, that makes my cortex so beat Woo! Let's all turn to John chapter 3. Man, I am pumped. Wow, you can turn me down a little bit too, brother. Thank you. Oh, man, those guys were awesome. You all can do that too. You know, we all got talent up in here. Maybe you can sing, play an instrument or something, you know. Man, God is so good. If you all love the Lord, somebody say whoop, whoop. Yeah. Wow. Today we are moving right along through the book of John. We are in John chapter 3, verse 22. If you all want to catch up on all the other verses, go back to the website, metropraise.org, and every message is up there. And we've been going verse by verse through the book of John, because I want you all to know exactly what this Bible says. All right, somebody say what, what? So that's all it's about right here. You can turn me down just a little bit more too, brother, because I'm going to preach in a minute. So watch this right here. Y'all go through the Bible every week in church, and you learn something. Last week was about being born again. The week before that was about repentance and John the Baptist and all these awesome things. So today what we're going to talk about in John chapter 3, verse 22, is more of Jesus and less of you. So everybody say, more of Jesus, less of me. Okay, y'all be the more of Jesus side, and y'all be the less of me side, okay? One, two, three. Uh, y'all got confused. So I went from kindergarten to first grade on y'all right there. See, I took it to another level. Okay, right here. Remember? More of Jesus. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, and. That's me. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. That's me. More of Jesus. That's me. More of Jesus. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I was going to try to get like a little dance. Like, like, a, like a little panting dog, I guess. I'm sorry. Okay, John chapter 3, verse 22. Everybody say, more of Jesus, less of me. Thank you. Let's go. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out unto Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. So Jesus and his disciples are going to go out and baptize some people. Now, John also was baptizing at Annon near Salem, because there was plenty of water. And the people were constantly being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. So everyone look up at me real quick. Jesus came, and who was his forerunner? John the Baptist, right? Okay, so John the Baptist, I should say, came, and he prepared a way for Jesus. Then Jesus comes, and now you've got John the Baptist making disciples, teaching the way of God, and now you've got Jesus baptizing, making disciples. So you've got two awesome guys, and you're going to see what happens here in just a minute. So pay attention, but there's two of them, John the Baptist and Jesus preaching the gospel, making disciples. Now look at verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. So kind of like this religious dude, a Jew, who didn't really believe in John the Baptist or Jesus, comes up to John the Baptist and says, hey, remember when you told us Jesus was the Christ? Because you know, John was a prophet, and he was a forerunner to Jesus, so he told everybody who Jesus was. And this Jew's like, you remember when you told us Jesus is the Christ, and he, we're all to follow him? Well, guess what? You're sitting over here baptizing, and nobody's coming to you anymore. They're all going to him which is kind of like, duh, that's the man. I mean, you think they would have got that, but they were trying to cause a fight. Everybody say a fight. You know that messy people are always causing messes? You ever know this about somebody in school? If they're messy, they're messy at school. They're messy in the home. They're messy with you on the phone. And you know what? These Jewish people were always trying to be messy and cause messes. Don't be around people who are trying to cause messes. That's just like a little side note. Everybody look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, don't be messy. All right, let's keep going. Now to this John replied, A man can only receive what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. So we know that's what John came to do. And he says it like this. The bridegroom belongs to, or rather the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become what? Everybody say greater. Greater. Come on, say it again. He must become. And I must become. You see what John the Baptist said? Look at this illustration. He says, guys, think of a wedding. When the bridegroom is coming, he gets the wife. And the friend of the bridegroom just kind of sits back and chills and is happy for his man getting married. Okay, my friend was my best man. He was happy for me getting married, but he didn't get to marry my wife. How many of y'all know that, right? I got to marry her. But he was happy. Now watch. You know who the bride is? It's the church. It's Christians. It's us. Everybody look at yourself and say, I'm a bride. Now if you're a guy, that may feel a little weird. But in the illustration, the church, Christians are God's bride. We're also called sheep, by the way. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're a pretty little sheep. Or a strong sheep, you awesome sheep, you. For the men... You know, they've got to feel good about themselves. They're strong sheep. Okay? Everyone look up at me, please. Follow. Watch this. John says, hey, I'm here to help the man. I'm not the man. And he gets the church. He gets all the people. Everybody's going to be worshiping him. Everybody's going to be talking about Jesus, not me. And now that he did his job, that he was with his friend up until the wedding, now Jesus is here. He's saying, man, look, Jesus got to get married to his church. And I'm just going to sit back and watch him. I've got to become less so he can become greater. I like to put it like this, more of Jesus and less of me. You see, what John the Baptist was saying is y'all don't need more of me. I'm just a man like you. I can make mistakes. But what you need is more of Jesus. And so John the Baptist was telling everybody he knew, look, you guys have been following me. You've been learning of me. But now go to Jesus. Jesus got the answer. And even John the Baptist was saying, man, look, I've got to decrease. i got to become less because it's all about him. Everybody say, more of Jesus, less of me. Y'all about ready to learn how that applies to your life in a little minute. But watch right here. I'm just teaching you out the Bible. Somebody say, teach it. Okay, watch right here. Now, he gives this illustration. It's the most beautiful words about Jesus. This man, John the Baptist, loved Jesus so much. What he says about him now is so awesome. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. See, he's got a little poem going, right? It says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Somebody say, everything is in his hands. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. I want you all to look up on the screen right here, kind of like how I sum up what John the Baptist says. He says, first of all, when it comes to Jesus, man, everybody better get right with God. Everybody better come to Jesus. I'm not jealous. He says, I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. Number two, he says, man, Jesus is from above. Jesus came from heaven to earth. And this is a quick story for you all right here. Christmas. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas christmas jesus has always existed he is god the son there is god the father god the son god the holy spirit these three are one one divine being called god jesus has always existed and if you were here in john chapter one you learned that the bible says in the beginning was the what the word and the word was with god and the word was god amen y'all got that i'm impressed and you know what we know jesus just took on flesh 2,000 years ago, Jesus came from heaven as a spirit man, and he took on flesh. He put on an earth suit. Like people go to space, put on a space suit. He came down to earth and put on an earth suit to die for us. But that wasn't when he was born. The man's always existed. He's always been God the Son, the divine Spirit of God. And look right here. John says, man, he was up there before the world was even created. He came down here. He is above everybody else. The third thing that he says, Is Jesus has the Holy Spirit without limits and speaks the Word of God. So John the Baptist was a prophet and sometimes he could see the future and he can know things about you that nobody else would know. But John says, look man, he's got all the Spirit of God and he preaches the Word of God without no limit. Everybody say no limit. Come on, say it again. No limit. I used to live in New Orleans, and they were all about no-limit soldiers, you know, and bout it, bout it, and all those things down the, the Calio projects. But listen to me. The real man, the real soldier that had no limit was Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now look at number four. He says the Father loves the Son, and has placed what in His hand? Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything is in His hands. Your life is in his hands. This whole world is in his hands. And John the Baptist is trying to teach this messy person. This messy person wanted there to be a fight between John and Jesus. And John's like, no, 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 no. Man, my life is in his hands. And we can sit here today and go, this world is in his hands. Everything is in his hands. The universe is in his hands. That's what John says about Jesus. And the last thing we see is whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. You see, John the Baptist never said believe in me. Buddha never said believe in me. Muhammad never said believe in me. But Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, said, man, you better believe in me to have eternal life, or you will have the wrath of God. Now you might say, man, that guy's a lunatic and egotistical, but if he is, who we said he is, man, we better bow our knees and say, Jesus Christ, Señor, he's the boss. Hello, somebody. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. Do you know who he is? I want you to think about that right now. Do you know the man? John the Baptist said all these things about Jesus. He said, man, I got a decrease. He got to increase. This man right here comes from heaven. Do you believe Jesus came from heaven? Or do you think he was just a man like us? It's okay if you doubt and have your questions. We'll help you. Bible studies are for that. But I want you to be honest. Do you really believe that God the Son could come on earth, that Jesus came for us? Do you believe that he had the Spirit without limit? Do you believe he raised the dead, walked on water, that he cured lepers, that he cast out demons, man? Do you believe that he spoke the words of God? Do you believe what you and I are reading today in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the letters of the apostles, all the way to Revelations, is about that man? That it's the word of God. It's not the word of a man. It's not an opinion. It is God speaking to us. Do you believe that? And do you believe that everything's in His hands, even our world when we suffer problems? Do you still believe that God's in control? Young people, when you go to school and you see people fighting and you don't understand why there's all this evil and wickedness, do you still believe God's got it under control? You know why there's so much wickedness here? Because we let the devil come here. And now look at where evil comes from. Evil doesn't come from a black hole up in space. It comes from men and women's heart. We kill each other. People molest other people. People hurt other people. It's because we let the devil come here. But you know what? God is here. And if we place our life in his hands, he's going to take care of us. And if we place our schools and you put your school in his hands, he'll take care of your school. Amen? You've got to get your school out the devil's hands, out the, the lies of Satan. You've got to put it in Jesus. Somebody say, help us, Lord. And then the last thing we learn is that we either believe it or we don't. It's as simple as that. You believe in him. You believe who he said he was. You believe he did what he said he did. You believe he raised from the dead. You have eternal life. Now live like it. A lot of times we go out witnessing. That's why I love what Jared talked about. We go out to Belmont and Clark. We go out to Cicero in Ohio. We go from the ghetto to the pento to the condo. We go everywhere representing the metro. And you can call me P. Joe, all right? Get my little Ryan going up here. And you know what? It's as simple as this. Do you believe God? Do you believe in Jesus? And somebody's like, yeah, blah, 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 drinking a beer. Well, then live like Him. Because if you truly save, you're going to live different. And I say it to everybody here. Oh, yeah, you say you believe in God. You've got a cross around your neck. You're going to celebrate His birthday, December 25th. Well, then live like the man has changed your life. Because eternal life doesn't look like damnation life. Eternal life is a blessed life. It's a changed life. You don't talk and walk and act like you used to. Somebody feel me? Say Amen. Come on. Somebody say hi. Now, everybody say this with me. More of Jesus, less of me. Now, I want you to think about, everybody go, ah. Uh. Now, I want you to think about how this can happen. More of Jesus, less of me, because now I'm going to teach you and make it plain to you all right here. How can we get more of Jesus? Brother, I need you to uh, mute the, uh, the live webcast, okay? So wherever channel that's on, mute that, please. That's, by the way, that's people clicking in and joining us all across the country. So if y'all love Jesus, make some noise. Woo! So we have a live webcast on our website. If y'all ever can't make it, just go to MetroPraise.org and you can see it. Now, let me explain to you about more of Jesus. Now, when I say more of Jesus now, you see, Jesus is in heaven, right? And Jesus is not on this earth anymore. So how can you have more of Jesus? Well, I want you to think about how my wife and I got married. You see, when my wife and I got married, June 19th, uh, 2002, or 2003, 5, it feels like it's been so long. That was not good. Not good. It's getting hot up here now. At least I knew the day. Yeah, I look to you for my help. It's like, I don't know. You'll know one day. Just never do what I just did. Okay, now watch. 2005, January 19, uh, June 19th, we got married. I'm getting it. I'm getting there. Now watch. When I married Nancy, I had all of Nancy right there I was ever going to get. Her whole entire life was for, my, uh, for for me, and we were married. Okay? But every single day I get to know more about her. Are you all listening? Every single day I get to spend more time with her, see the things she likes and doesn't like. And I'm learning to think she doesn't like really good, all right? I'm just learning to work it out with my baby, my boo. My to boo. That's how we kick it. Now, watch. I have all of her. She's mine. I'm all of her. She's all of mine. But every day I grow more and more in love with her. I get to spend more time with her, learning more about her. And then I have less of me. Because what happens in marriage is when two people become one, there begins to come a change. You see, I used to like to fall asleep watching TV. Anybody like to fall asleep with noise or anything like that? Well, Nancy likes it really quiet. So guess where I fall asleep right now? On the couch. Because I'm watching TV, and then I'll fall asleep and then come into the bedroom, okay? You, so So you see, I'm learning more about her, and as I'm learning more about her, I'm, it's becoming less of me. And, and that's what happens in marriage. That, you know, two people's lives begin to come together, and they begin to join together, and it becomes more of the other person and less of them. Now, I want you to think about this. When Jesus came into your life, how many Christians do we have here? Somebody say, what, what? Now, for every one of you who's a Christian here, every one of you, the day you accepted Christ, you got all of Jesus inside of you. As much of Jesus as you have inside of you is as much as Peter had in him. It's the same that was in Smith Wigglesworth who lived in 1930 and was raising people from the dead. As much of Jesus that is inside, every single Christian around the world is inside you right now. God does not play favorites. He does not say like, I'm going to give David a little bit of my love and a little bit of my presence, but I'm going to give a whole lot to Amber. No, God gives us all the same. So any Christian that has ever lived over the last 2,000 years, no matter how holy or how good or how awesome you think they were, they have and had as much of Jesus as you have right now. But watch. What's the difference? They probably knew him a lot better than you and I did. They probably spent more time with him than you and I did. They got closer to God than some of you are right now. And you see, the difference between us and them is how much do we want of Jesus and how much are we, are we willing to sacrifice of ourselves? You see, they have Jesus in their heart. And when they woke up in the morning, instead of spending two hours to get ready, ladies, and just a five-minute prayer out the door, maybe they got up and spent two hours with the Lord. And then they spent a half hour doing their makeup. They gave more to Jesus than they did to themselves. Maybe some of them... Instead of choosing friends that, that they wanted, they chose friends that Jesus wanted. So instead of being around their friends and, and talking dirty and about girls and things that don't benefit them, they got around other Christians. And so every time they were hanging out in the hallways, they got to hear more about Jesus, learn more about Jesus. Hello? Hello? And maybe on Friday nights, instead of staying at home, they began to come to church because they wanted to learn more and more about Jesus. Now, let me make it personal. You have an opportunity, if you are a Christian, to learn more about God and grow closer to Him. But it's going to cost some of who you are. And see, sometimes in Christianity, you know the worst enemy we have is ourselves. And you know what John the Baptist realized? He said, if I'm really going to get close to God, if I'm really going to get close to Him and have a relationship with Him, I've got to decrease. It can't be about me anymore. It can't be about my dreams and my popularity. It can't be about what I want. If I want more of Jesus, I must decrease. He must increase. And I like to say, more of Jesus, less of me. Now I want to ask you a question today. Have you come here willing to decrease in Jesus' increase? Is it the desire of your heart for you to say, more of Jesus, less of me? Jesus, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go wherever I have to go, do whatever I have to do to have more of you, more of your presence, more of your love, more of your wisdom, more of your blessings, more of you. If you want it, somebody say, more of Jesus and less of me. Now, I want you to see how this is going to work. Let's start off with point number one. Turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, as I ask you this first question. is whose purpose in life are you living? Yours or God's? I want you to think about that right now. If you've got your notes, we're already answering some questions, so keep following along. We ran out tonight, which is awesome, so that means there's over 60 people here. I made it for 60. You all give yourself a hand clap if you can. Amen. Come on. Praise God you filled up the house. So if you're taking notes, you can be following along right now. Let me ask you a question. Whose purpose are you living? Yours or God's? See, more of Jesus, less of me means your purpose is not your purpose anymore. It's God's purpose. Do you ever think about that? While you were daydreaming in class, and I know we all do it, you know, sit back and we're just kind of daydreaming. When I'm in traffic and I'm driving, I start daydreaming. Oh, one day I would like to have this. One day I would like to buy this. You ever stop and ask yourself, what does God want? You know, while you are planning out your career, and hopefully some of you are already having dreams. Yes, I want to go to college. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a doctor, lawyer, et cetera, whatever you want to be in life. You know, physical trainer, all the awesome, you know, guys that we have here in college, you know, going to school for different things. But let me ask you a question. You ever stop and ask yourself, what does God want you to be? Now, the first thing that you have to have is a relationship with God to even talk to God. Am I right? And, and if you don't know how to talk to God, what I'm saying right now may sound stupid to you. You're like, I'm going to ask him what, what I want to be or what he wants me to be. Like he's going to talk to me. That's what some people are thinking right now. Oh, really? Come on. Like I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to ask God, should I go to beauty school or should I go to, you know, cosmetic school? What should I do? Like he's going to say, go to beauty school. And a lot of people really think that way. Like, God's going to talk to me? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. If you do not have a relationship with God where God speaks to you, you hear His voice, and all you're doing is playing church. I'm going to say that again. I said, if you do not have a relationship with God where Jesus Christ is talking to you, speaking to you, convicting you of sin, encouraging you to do good, giving you guidance in life, all you are doing is playing church. You're just religious. you just like those people who dress up on Sundays, put on nice clothes, go to the church, pray a couple prayers, bow down, take communion, and go out living the same way they live. You see, but if you got a relationship, this is different. When we pray, we actually believe we're talking to him. You know why? Because he starts talking back to us. How many have ever heard God speak to you? How many have ever felt God's presence? About five of you. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching to you. Anybody else here ever heard God's voice? God speaks to our heart. That's why we say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Speak to me. Oh, my friends, you are a spiritual being. Don't think everything is just the five senses, what you taste, touch, see, and hear, and, and and smell. Don't think life is just about the physical. Your spirit on the inside of you. You have a spirit, and God can speak to that spirit. He's deeper than your conscience. He's more than your self-esteem. It is God speaking to you. And so whose purpose are you living? You need to find that out in life. You need to find it out right now. Because the true Christian, you know what the true Christian says? There's more of Jesus less of me. I'm going to live what He wants me to do. You know who told me to be a pastor? God. Because I spent time in prayer. When I was 18 years old, I, I just got saved. I didn't know what to do. Just like so many of you right now, you know, around the senior age year, you know, 18 years old. Some of you have already got out of college or, I mean, got out of high school. You don't know what to do yet with your life. Guess what? God will speak to you if you ask Him. And He told me to be a pastor. I want you to look at Jeremiah 29:11. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Look at Jeremiah, he says, for uh, God speaking to Jeremiah, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh, hello, somebody, come on. I need you all help. Somebody say, Preach it! Man, did y'all just hear what the man said? He, God said, I know the plans I have for you. So God is saying to our visitors today, all three of you, God knows the plans He has for you. All those sit right here, Lewis and David, everybody, God knows the plans He has for you. God has plans for you, Griselda, Gilbert, Danny, Jerry. God has plans for all of us. But do you know those plans? How are you gonna find out? You gotta call upon Him you got to come to him and pray and say, God, I need to know what you want me to do. I need to know who you want me to date. Have you ever asked God who you should give your number to, ladies? Now, I know we did the whole seven step to marriage, but some of you are new here. Let me ask you a question, even some that learned it. Have you ever asked God who you should go on a date with? Come on, that is serious business. You're going on a date. You, you may fall in love with this person. You may spend the rest of your life with them. Man, you got to be serious. Have you asked God what they know about them? Ask God what he says to you about your future? I know God knows who's going to cheat and lie and, and, and do you wrong, but he says, i got plans to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future. How many 12-year-old girls started off and said, I want to get pregnant, but right now they're 15 and they're pregnant? God knew that that dude would knock them up and not care and run a, go go out and do with another girl. You don't think the Lord knew that every person you see on Maury Povich? First of all, God knows who the baby's daddy is. I. Somebody say I. You ever seen Maury? Oh, who's the baby's daddy? Five people being tested. Guess what? Guess who knows? God, and God knew before that woman ever started doing that. That's what happened to her. So you ever ask God who you should date, who you should marry, who you should be with? The Bible says if you come to Him, He will listen to you. Let me tell you something, one of the most beautiful things I realized the day I got saved when I was 18 years old, the day I got saved, November 5th, 1995, that moment I realized I had a best friend that I had been ignoring my whole life. Some of you know what I'm talking about, because the moment you got saved, you got really close to God, it was like, "Ah, I can talk to you. You actually care and I feel your presence. I can actually go home by myself when I'm upset and read your word. And you speak to me. How many were kind of like shocked? Like God would talk to you. It wasn't just at church. You would go home. He was still there. You're like, oh, you're still here, huh? Like you're waking up and you're like, oh, I feel Jesus, but I'm not even in church. It was such a shock to me that I could actually have a relationship with God. I want you to look at the other scripture. I'm just going to put it up here. Psalms 119, or Psalms 139, 16 and 18. This is David talking. He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. See, God saw you when you were in your mother's womb. And it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that God's already wrote out your biography? He's already wrote out your life story. He already knows the hard times, the bad times you've already faced. He already knows the things that you dream about. He knows all of those things. And God has wrote out the plan for your life. Now one of the things about His plans is there's trials and tests, and we're going to get to that in a minute. It's not always roses and sunshine and yellow brick roads. But listen to me. He still knows what's the next page. He he knows what you're going to face next week. The whole point is, are you living that purpose? Are you just doing it yourself? You see, John said, I must decrease, and he must increase. You know the way I look at it? It's like you're driving somewhere. I remember one time my wife and I, when we went to Virginia, we were up there. And, I, you know, I'm kind of like a control freak. I always like to drive and, you know, be in control. And we were up there, and the guy was like, hey, you want? We we're going to go to the mall. He was like, hey, you want You want me to drive? I'm like, no, I'll drive, I'll drive. And then it was like every, like, five seconds, it was like, take a right. And it was like too late, so I would miss it, and we had to go around. He was like, take a left, take a right, go straight. And it was just so confusing that after we went to the mall, I said, brother, here's the keys. You drive us home here's the keys, dude. You drive, man. I'm just left, right, so I can't even take it anymore. Just, man, drive me home. And you know what I did? I just sat and sat in shotgun, which I hardly have ever done in my own car, like I'm sitting shotgun in my own car. And I'm just talking to the guy, and it, and, and it felt so good. Because guess what? He knew where he was going. He just put on the turn. He didn't have to talk about And you know what? Give your life to God. Let him take over. Get off the driver's seat. Let the man take over. He created you. He's got a plan to prosper you. All you do when trying to drive the thing is make the thing way more complicated. Don't let Jesus be your co-pilot. Let Jesus be the pilot. Don't let Jesus ride shotgun in your life. Let Jesus ride in the driver's seat. Let Jesus be your boss, your Lord, your senor, your master. Because the man created you. He's got the plan. I talked about my wife earlier today. For 12 years of my whole life, going through relationships, going through relationships from 16 to 28, going through relationships. They were the hardest, most heartbreaking thing I ever went through trying to find my wife. But when I waited for the one God gave me, my wife, it was the most easiest relationship. The easiest. It all fit together. I didn't have to make her like me. I didn't have to play late night, midnight games, texting her email. Do you like me? Circle yes or no, sending notes in her classroom. It was just like, this feels right. Cause God drove us together. Somebody say, let God take over. So you got to decrease. You got to get out the driver's seat and you got to let him take over. Let him tell you what he wants you to do in life. Let's finish. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You ever think that God doesn't love you? You know what you should just do? You should just reach your hand down in some sand one day and start counting grains of sand, because every grain of sand you can count is a thought that God has about you. I want you to think about that. He thinks about you so much. That if you were just to spend all your time, 1,300,898, that's how many thoughts God has for you. It says, how vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would even outnumber the grains of sand. So much God loves you. He's got so many plans for us. He's got so many things He wants you to do. They say the average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. That means 60,000 thoughts are running through your head. That's about, right now, about five every second are just running through your head. That's about 100 to 200 every minute. Because while you're sitting here, you're like, oh, I'm hot, I'm cold. What's he talking about? Why is he sweating? Oh, I liked it when he called boobs over. I wonder what the person next to me thinks about it, because I think they're really cute. So he had a lot of thoughts for that one. And they like, after service, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask that person to join me over there for a hot talk, and then I'm going to go hide from the pastor and go talk to them in the corner. So my mom comes to fix me up, and then tomorrow, and then like you're just thinking through your head, what am I going to get for Christmas? I wonder if that Christmas present on that tree is for me. Because that looks just like the Christmas present I asked my mom to get. And you're just like sitting here thinking. And you're like, wow, he's talking about me thinking right now. What am I really thinking about? I don't know. Let me think about what I'm thinking about, why he's talking about me thinking about it. You're like, ah! Stop thinking. You can't. You can't stop thinking. You just keep thinking about it. You're trying to stop thinking, but you can't. Just thoughts keep coming. Well, guess what? Every single thought you're having about yourself, God is having one about you. Just thousands, just millions of thoughts that God is having about you. And you can communicate to God. You can spend time with God. So here's the question. Whose purpose are you living, yours or God's? Somebody say God's purpose. Amen. Let's go to the next question. When you go through trials, do you handle them your way or God's way? Because I'm going to tell you what, the very first thing that happens when you're riding shotgun in a car, what happens when you think that person's going to get in a car accident? You're like, "Ah!" you want to grab the wheel or something, right? You want to say, pull over, let me drive, or, or get me out this car. And you know what happens? The moment our life gets a little stormy, the moment it gets a little shaky, what do we do? We give up on God. Or we get doubtful. We're like, oh, my life is going through problems right now. So-and-so doesn't like me. Nobody at school likes me. My mom and dad are getting divorced. God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I'm alone. I feel all alone. I'm in college. None of my friends are here. I don't know what to do with myself. Nobody else is a Christian. Oh, that girl, I love her. She broke up with me. She's supposed to be my wife. What's going on? And you see, in the middle of the trial of life, when when I lost my sister, we had to have a funeral for her, When you got the girlfriend or the boyfriend, of your love, your dreams broke up with you. How did you handle that problem? And how are you going to handle problems in the future? Are you going to take over? Are you going to get in control? Because if you don't have control, life won't be good. You are your only boss, and and you know what your teachers tell you. If you don't do it for you, no one's going to do it for you. You know, look out for numero uno. Are you going to let God's way be in control? Just say, okay, God, right now, I don't understand what in the world is going on. But I am trusting you. And I'm going to decrease, God. Instead of freaking out about my mom and dad getting divorced, God, I'm just going to start thanking you, Lord, that you've already blessed me with a mom and a dad. And I I know, God, you're going to take care of them. And even if they don't even love you, I know you're still going to watch out for them and you're going to take care of this family. Even if, God, even if, Lord, it gets so hard that I cry myself to bed at night, Lord, I know you're not going to leave me. I'm going to decrease. I'm going to stop trying to figure it all out. And I'm just going to trust you. Do you know that sometimes we get the closest to God when we go through the biggest troubles? Because we realize we have no idea what we're doing. And let me help you out right here. Nobody knows how to live life on their own. If you look at your parents, and I know a lot of us here, we admire our parents, and I admire my mom and dad. Let me tell you something right now. Moms and dads, they don't always know what they're doing. They don't always know how they're going to figure it out. That's why you got to learn how to live live for God now. So that when you become a mom and dad and all your kids are looking up to you going, Mommy, what are we going to do? You're going to say, we're going to trust God through the troubles of life. Yes, dad may have lost a job, but God has not left us. We're going to stick with God. Come on, children, decrease, chill out, settle down, and just give it to God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Who are you going to look to in times of trouble? How are you going to go through trouble, your way or God's way? When you're in Matthew chapter 5, somebody say, I'm there. Come on. What I want to talk to you about today, right now, is you becoming less and Jesus becoming more. Everybody say, more of Jesus. Less of me. Come on, say it one more time. More of Jesus and less of me. Look at what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many of you heard you hear, how many of you here have heard something like that? Love your neighbor but hate your enemy. You may not have heard it like that. You may have heard it like, F you, you ain't my friend. But I love you because you're my friend. <laughs> Hello? You know we've all heard it different ways, right? There's that little there's this little European rapper, this little like English rapper, I forget her name. I think it's SOV, the lady sovereign, if anybody's heard of her. I saw her on YouTube. She's this little, like, little cute little London girl. And she's like, if you like me, thank you. If you don't, F you, you know. Yeah, that's your generation. That's how young people talk. And guess what? Adults talk that way. And there's Jesus saying "Hey, You've heard kind of the same thing. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. So how do we handle problems when they come in life? I'm going to hate that person. Someone comes into your life. Someone causes a problem. What do we immediately want to do? I want to hate you. I'm going to, you're going to be my enemy. I'm going to tell everybody at the lunch table not to sit next to you anymore. Right? We get messy. We're going to fight them. We're going to tell on them. Or our parents, when they hurt us, we're going to hate them. We're going to become resentful. We're not going to go to their house for Christmas. We're going to do things to let them know we hate them. That's how people go through life loving those that love them and hating those that make life tough on them. But look what Jesus said. But I tell you, love your enemies. Everybody say, love your enemies. Come on, say it again. Love your enemies. You see, when Jesus is in control, you know what he says? He says, pray for your dad that you've never met. Pray for him. Don't hate him. He says, pray for your mom and dad, even though you're going through a divorce. Pray for them. Don't hate them. Love them. Pray for that kid at school that keeps picking on you and keeps calling you out. Pray for them. Pray for that teacher that messes with you, that that you feel is your enemy, that keeps giving you bad grades on your quizzes. Pray for your enemies. Look what it says. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Everybody say, Love your enemies. Oh, man, is anybody hot besides me? Woo! I'm hot. Sorry if it's sticking to me right now. It's a little sweaty up here. Loving your enemies is a part of letting God be in control loving your enemies is saying, though I'm going through the bumps and storms of life and I'm sitting in shotgun and I don't know what to do, I'm going to trust that God gets me through. And what i got to do, I've got to decrease. I've got to become less. And I've got to love them. Because let me tell you something right here. You don't know how many times I wish I could slap upside the head of a teenager up in this place. So many times they come in all cocky, acting bad, talking. we got to remove them back. I just feel like sometimes walking up to them, Bam! Don't you ever talk in church again get out of here, like Will's in the back. You know what's so funny is y'all think you're too cute for that. I know you do. No pass it would never do that to us. Would it be too cute. But you don't know how hard it is for this man right here. It's so funny because after service, sometime Will comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, how far can I go with these kids, man? They push me to the limit, man. How far can I go with them, man? Tell me how far I can go with them, man, because sometimes they push me so hard. Just tell me how far. I can. can I take them down? He's like, can I? He's really asking me. Like, can I take them down? Yes. And I'll guarantee you right now, I know that some of you drive your parents like that. But I'm going to tell you something right here. Watch. You've got to do unto others as people do unto you. You know what I think to myself every time a teenager smarts off to me? Every time somebody does something, you're all good kids. But, you know, when that one time happens, you know what I think to myself? I used to be like that. Boy, I wasn't perfect. I'm not even perfect yet. But I can remember being a teenager thinking I knew everything at 16 years old. I can remember that. So you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. When people treat you bad, do you just want to send them to hell? Or do you try to look back and look at their situation and be like, you know what? I'm going to decrease, and I'm going to be like Christ right now. I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to walk away the bigger woman. I'm not going to handle my business like they do on the streets. I'm going to do it like Jesus Christ. Somebody say, more of Jesus. Less of me. That's why I told you, y'all got to pray for your pastor, amen? Y'all got to pray for me just so I keep on loving Jesus, coming and hugging everybody. And then that one that, you know, every now and then it's like they stick me in the side. It's like they just give me a little smart remark. It's like, I love you. <laughs> oh, God, I love you. Woo! <laughs> Take the belt off my belt. The thing right here, I got I to gotta watch. I don't hurt these kids. But I'm going to tell you something. I love you. And I'm going to tell them I love them till I just believe. I love you. I love you. And it's like, oh, I love you. You've got to make yourself to, to do it sometimes. And you know what? I know I'm being funny, but some of you all have real enemies. you got real people that don't like you and you don't like them. And sometimes you've just got to make yourself. You've got to say, look, man, i got to forgive them. I'm going to keep my belt right where it is. I'm going to love them, and I'm going to move on. Look at what this scripture says, Second Peter 1, through 3-4. Now, this is not about enemies. This is about any trouble you go through in life. His divine power has given everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everybody say this, God has everything I need. The bottom line is whenever you fight fight with the devil, whenever you're fighting with situations and you think it's a person, know this. It's the devil. It's a lie. It's evil. And people sometimes can be used to be evil, to do bad things. But you know what? Trust God because he's given everything you need. God has everything you need. That person that may be hurting you, they may not have what you need. But God has what you need. I know sometimes when we have situations in our family, we feel they let us down. But guess what? They may not have what you need. But God has what you need. Are you all listening to me? If you let God take over, He's going to take care of you. Amen? Now I want to show you one more thing here. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 3. This is for all those that are Christians on fire for God. Those that did the skits tonight and everything. Those that want to serve the Lord and have a ministry, I want to ask you a question. Whose power are you going to rely on to do ministry? Today, to get up here and preach, whose power am I going to rely on, God's or mine? For y'all to do the skits like you did, I know you had to rely on God's power. But when you walk out of here and we start preaching the gospel on streets and your friends make fun of you, or you're in school and you're actually trying to live a Christian life and help other people, when Leilani is starting her Christian club, whose power are you going to rely on, yours or God? Because here's the good part. When you and I become less and God becomes more, he's got everything we need to help other people. Y'all got to use the bathroom a lot today, huh? Y'all drink a lot of water? We got to check that. We got to start having water over here, okay? Just put a lot of salt. A lot of salt for them. See, that's why you got to pray for me. I told y'all got to pray for me. Look at your neighbor and say, pray for the pastor. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Who He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives what? Now here's the thing right here. Every single one of you may say, "Pastor, I can't preach. I can't go out and witness. I can't come early and be a part of the Bible study. I'm not competent." But you know what Paul himself said? The one writing this, Paul had his master, his doctorate degree in religion. He was an older man. You know what Paul said? Paul said, "I'm not competent in myself. Nothing comes from me, but my competence comes from God." So listen, Jerry, when you go out and preach, God is your strength. Joey, when When you're doing your skits, God is your strength. Every single helper in here, from David in the back to Sue Ellen, every single one of you, guess who's going to be your strength? God. So become less. You know how many times as a pastor I've I've, I've come into situations in life where I didn't have the answer? I've had people call me up, and I just had one this week, and I can't even talk about all of it because it's just one of these crazy situations. And it's just like they call me up and life is falling apart. And, and they're like, Pastor, what do I do? And I, I want to be like, I have no clue what to do. That is messed up. I have no clue. What are we going to do? It's like I want to ask somebody else, what are we going to do? Man, i got this woman in my church. I don't even know what to do. But you know what I do? You know what the pastor does? See, I'm going to give you the inside secret. When I am asked to do those things, I say, well, let's talk to Jesus. Let's find out what Jesus wants to do. And the one thing that I can do as a pastor is I can know this Bible. And I can know what this Bible says. And I can study this thing. And I can get an understanding of what Jesus would do. You remember that old that saying that you all used to wear? Some of you all did it. WWJD bracelets and t-shirts. What did that stand for? What would... Jesus do. And even me as your big, bad pastor, you know what I do? I say, oh, God, I have no idea what to do. I told this woman I would call her back with some advice. Jesus, I'm going to decrease. You must increase. Give me your spirit, oh, God. Give me your life. Give me your words. And you know what? Those of you here that want to make a difference in people's lives, because we believe teenagers can. I believe you can go to your school and start a Bible study. You're going to do it from God's strength. When we start going out again on Saturdays and we go out to Belmont and Clark and you're all are welcome to come, not just the adults and some of you have already been coming, and we start giving hot chocolate to the gay community and the partiers and the, and the homosexuals and the homeless people, you may say, man, I'm 14 years old. I don't know how to help a homeless man. But guess what God does? And God will give you the words to speak. And some of you have already gone out with us. You've seen God use you and touch people's hearts. That's what you're talking about up here, right, Jared? You've seen God use you. Remember that one homeless man? We were putting our arms around. You just gave him a hug and you were loving him. Jared only been going to the church for about a month. And all of a sudden, he's on the corner just talking to the homeless man. It was so funny because when I went out with Big Will... I said, Big Will, man, a lot of people out here, man, they're going to be super smart, and they're and they're going to be coming with big college educations. They're going, like like my man said, scholars without any wisdom. And I said, brother, look, man, just just trust God that He's going to give you the words to speak, you know, because my brother does really good with people that are in gangs and come from that. I said, brother, but you may meet people. I ain't in a gang. I would never do that. I got my college degree. And I said, brother, just trust that God's going to give you the words. But guess what? I walked over there to see how Big Will was doing. He found homeless people. He found people I didn't even think were out there. He was hugging on them, loving them, tears coming down their face. And I was like, brother, God uses this man. You And God used him with all different types of people. And you know what? It just, it just shocked me. It was just like, man, God can use any, even though I was trying to encourage him. It's like I shouldn't even have said all that, bro. I should have just said, just let God use you. That's it. Some of you are like, how am I going to preach to my mom and dad? How am I going to tell my mom and dad about Jesus? You become less. Let God become more. Let, let God shine through your life. Let God give you the words to speak. Man, ask him if you could pray before Christmas dinner. I guarantee you that will freak them out. I guarantee you they're going to listen to you. What? Oh, my gosh. Uh, he want You want to pray? You know what I'm saying? I guarantee you that will get your parents to think about that. Juan stands up on Christmas dinner day, and he's like, Family. I want to pray for our Christmas dinner here before we partake of the festivities. Oh, Father, we adore you. And he just starts to pray. I guarantee you his mom's going to be like, what? I guarantee you when when he says to mom, let's go to church tonight, she's like, oh, I'm going. I want to see what got into my son. But where did Juan's strength come from? It came from God. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet tonight. Thank you all. If you love the Lord, give him a hand clap of praise. Look at this last scripture here. Peter was an awesome dude. He started healing people. And when people saw that people were getting healed, you got to remember, Jesus was the man, right? So it's like Jesus heals you. I mean, that's like, that's no-brainer. It's like, you know what? Jesus can do anything. So you didn't really question it much. But all of a sudden, now you have Peter. Peter's healing people. And people looking at Peter like, what? Peter, how in the world did you heal somebody? see, God can use anybody. And Peter says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Everyone look up at me. Why does it surprise you a high school dropout, eight-time incarcerated drug dealer is your pastor? Why does that surprise you? It's God in me. Why does it surprise you? Willie Will goes to Belmont and Clark, reaches the thugs and, and the most smartest people out there. God's in him. Why does it surprise you that this place is filled? When we started two years ago with zero kids. It ain't us. Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we made this man walk? You see, when God starts moving in your life, people gonna stare at you. You know, what? What happened to David? Man, David must be so good because he don't cuss anymore. Man, David must be a good kid. No, it ain't because David's a good kid. It's because God is in him. When you see Jared stand up here, sure he might have had the talent before he became a Christian. But who gave him those words to speak? Who gave him that boldness? That's Jesus. And I know some of you were sitting back scratching your head. I was one of them. I'll be honest. I was like, Jared? I didn't even know he could do that. I'm like, that's God in him. Man, I'll tell you what. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be to the point where you and I get people to look at us different. You know why? Because we ain't driving in life no more. Jesus is driving. And people can tell we're going in a totally different direction. They have to see the difference, y'all. Somebody say, God is good. It says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk because he was crippled? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and that the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing to him, as y'all can see. You see, I want to tell you today, through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a ministry to touch hurting people. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you can go to your schools and make a difference you can say amen anytime through faith in christ you can get on the streets with us on saturdays and make a difference cindy come on with faith in christ you can change your family with faith in christ with faith in christ right now come on these young men right here can make a difference These young men right here can change our streets. It's young men that are just like them that are making our streets what we see right now. Why can't young men like this change our streets? When people look at what happened to you? God used me. God's strength. God's power. Everybody say, more of Jesus, less of me. Let's bow our head and close our eyes tonight. We're going to dismiss in prayer tonight. Before you go, we're going to pray for you. I want to thank everybody for coming to this place tonight because I believe God brought you here. I believe that God brought you because he has a purpose for your life. And that life is not just all about you and what you think. God's purpose is the best purpose.